I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to the Holy Scriptures that we'll consider this morning from Isaiah chapter 55. We continue our journey through this majestic book written by the prophet Isaiah. We come to this glorious passage this morning. Again, Isaiah 55. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts." For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May he add his blessing to it as we consider it this morning. Well, loved ones, that shopping spree for Christmas is over. Did you know that the average American household spent about $900 for presents during this holiday season? Some people probably went into debt uh, just to buy gifts and presents for their family. And people bought and exchanged gifts, games and gizmos and gadgets of all kinds. And we can pause and say, yes, gifts are nice, sure enough, but we can be honest as well and say that no gift of man can mend our broken hearts. It is impossible to buy something from men that can make us whole again. Nothing in this life will ever fully satisfy your broken 
and longing hearts. And yet what happens? We fall prey. Prey to the marketing and advertising of the world over and over again. And not only during the Christmas season, right? All throughout the year, we see tons of pictures and videos of other people, models, looking successful, happy, and fulfilled. And then we think to ourselves, or perhaps just subconsciously think, that's not me. I don't look like that person, that family so happy. Those people must have it all together because of the things that surround them, all of their possessions, that big built-in barbecue that's just shining. He's able to grill a, a whole pig on it in one go, right? Or maybe the brand new smartphone with all the technology and the newest and best camera on it, or that new minivan that's extra spacious. You see, the marketing world wants to convince us that if we just get the right product, then we will be happy. In his book, You Are What You Love, author James K. Smith writes this, that the world holds out a sort of redemption in and through the goods and services that the market provides. The idea is that goods and services will save you. And whether you realize it or not, often we go to the store seeking to find something that will address what is wrong with us, deep down within. And then quickly we realize, once we drop the bags off into our house and we settle back in, that it doesn't work. That you cannot buy happiness. Now, as we think about that, I can't predict what will happen this year, the different uh, events that are before us, but I can say this for certain. Companies will bombard you and I this year. They will bombard us with advertisements, with commercials, trying to get us to buy more stuff. And so let us begin this year in God's providence. Here we have an advertisement from God himself, and God is offering us a better and lasting solution to our brokenness. He is offering us endless, endless joy. And God is offering this to us free of charge. The only remedy that can actually truly fix us. And what is it? It is the Lord God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. And so from this passage, I want to show you three reasons why you should come to Jesus today and every day for the rest of your life. First of all, Jesus promises you full satisfaction in verses 1 to 2, notice that God is inviting you to feast to your heart's endless delight. Who is the invitation for? It says, everyone. Everyone who thirsts and hungers for more. Everyone, in a sense, that has an insatiable desire for satisfaction. If your heart longs to be filled up to the brim with gladness and joy, this invitation is for you. If you want a happy life, this invitation is for you. Because we all pursue delight or happiness in one way or another, and often we do so with what we spend our money on, with what we buy. For where your money is, there your heart will be also, as Jesus said. But notice that God's offer here is totally free. 
completely free, and he's inviting everyone to come and find satisfaction in God without having to pay for it at all. It is an offer based on grace, not works. It is based on God's favor, not your labor. And then he asks us, why? Why do you spend your money for things that don't satisfy you? And clearly God knows the answer to this question. He knows. And so he must be asking this to cause us to pause and reflect and ask our own hearts to evaluate And he wants us to think about this. Why? Why do I have an insatiable desire for X, Y, or Z? Whatever that thing is that your heart longs for, that is searching for. Why is your soul so thirsty for more and more stuff? Well, verse 2 gives us the answer to the question it shows us. If you look at that, verse 2, that our souls were made to eat what is good and to delight ourselves in rich food. So according to God, we need good and rich food, and that is what will satisfy us. But we have to be careful here. Read it in its context. The good and rich food that the Lord is talking about is not literal food or drink that we would take into our bodies, not even food from a Michelin star restaurant. No, it's nothing we can take into our bodies. Rather, It is a kind of food that we take into our souls by listening with our ears. He says in the next part of that verse, listen diligently to me and eat what is good. They're in parallel there. Listening and eating are there together, referring to the same same action of taking in what God is offering. And then in verse 3, he adds, incline your ear and come to me. Hear, hear that your soul may live. And so what is the good that he is inviting us to eat and take in with our ears? It is God himself. He says, come to me. God is calling each of us this morning again, saying, come to me. Come back. Come to me. What does this mean? It means that unlike every other animal that is on this earth, Humans alone were made with souls that long to be fulfilled with God himself. And in this life, we can begin to receive that endless satisfaction in God by listening to his word. His word, which reveals to us his goodness, his beauty, and his truth. We take God in to our souls by listening diligently to his word by faith. I want you to see something here that true sophistication in life is not found by developing your taste buds with fine dining or developing your ability to dress yourself in what is most fashionable. That's what the world wants you to think. And so you spend money in the process doing that. True sophistication is found in developing your soul's taste for true goodness beauty and truth. And think of this, nothing is as good, beautiful, and true as the creator God himself. And so this passage is reminding us again that God's grace and love are freely available to us and nothing can satisfy us as deeply as we need as God himself. 
As St. Augustine famously said in his book, Confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in you. Your heart will be restless until you find rest in God, because nothing created can fully satisfy your heart, for your heart was made for the creator. Your heart was made for the creator, not that which is created. And here's the good news. God gives himself to you as a gift of grace, free of charge, as we've already said. And he does that personally, personally again this morning. God came into this world as a person, Jesus Christ. And he came for the thirsty souls. We think of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman in John 4, where he said to her, everyone who drinks of this water referring to the well that she was pulling from, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. In that passage, Jesus is clearly claiming his deity, that he is, in fact, God in the flesh, because only God, the creator, can quench the soul's thirst. Only he who is the fount of every blessing can endlessly satisfy us with goodness, beauty, and truth, for only the Creator has life in himself. And God alone can satisfy our longing hearts, and that's what Jesus was claiming to be, God in the flesh, and God in the flesh for thirsty sinners, like that Samaritan woman thirsty and hungry sinners like you and like me again this morning. So why come to Jesus? Because Jesus is the creator who came to give you full satisfaction in him. Now secondly, why should you come to Jesus? Well, he gives you his sure word of sure mercies this morning. Look at verse 3. He says that by hearing his word, our soul will live. But what word is he talking about? What word do we need to receive in order that our soul may live? Well, that comes in verse 3, in the next part. It is the word of his promised love. He says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And so again, this morning we hear this confidence, this certainty that God's word to us is sure, it is reliable, it is faithful. When God gives his love, he never takes it back. And he gave, he says here, his sure love to King David. He promised him that he would raise up one of his descendants to be king forever on his throne in the kingdom of God. And look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. This son of David would become a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Again, here Isaiah is emphasizing what we've seen over and over again throughout his book, that the everlasting love of God is not just destined for the small people of Israel. That's too small for God. No, he had predestined that love for the nations, for all peoples, that he would gather in a people to himself from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And so the son of David would be this magnetic king drawing people in by his sure love and mercies, which are endless and steadfast. 
Now, who is the son of David? Well, we know him, of course, as Jesus, the son of David and the son of God, who came to make a new covenant. And how did he seal the promise of his love in that covenant with us? With his own body and blood on the cross. He came to die of thirst there on the cross, cut off from the Father, cut off in order that he might cut us in to the love of God by this covenant that he makes with us such that we would never thirst again. His sure love for you, sinner, is crimson red with his blood. Even though you don't deserve it, Jesus was willingly cut off from love so that you would be cut into love forevermore. So turn to the Lord Jesus while you still can, as this text is calling you. He is making himself known to you again this morning through his word. He is drawing near to you by his word this morning. And the question is, will you call upon him by faith? Will you turn away from your godless ways and walk in the way of the Lord your God? If you do, and the text is calling you to do that, There's a promise that he will have compassion upon you. He will abundantly pardon you all of your sins. And how sure is his promised love? We'll look at verses 8 to 11. Verses 8 to 11, we think about how we ourselves are not prone to think of showing love and mercy to wicked and unrighteous sinners. That seems unthinkable. Who would do that? We would not go out of the way to love a person who is cruel or unkind or a gossiper, etc., an unrighteous, wicked person. We wouldn't do that. That's not our way. That's not the way that we think. But God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not our ways. His way of loving is more gracious, more kind than we can think or imagine. That's what he's saying here. His ways and his thoughts are higher and and way beyond ours, far more than we can even think or imagine. His way of love, his thoughts of love and kindness and compassion towards us. And so know this, that his word of promise will bear fruit, like rain that makes the earth bring forth harvest. Like we'll see in the days ahead, the earth around us, the mountains will be greener because of the rain that's come down. Well, so too, God's promised love will accomplish his purposes. His word does not return to him vain. Unlike the empty promises of the marketing world that promise you happiness but always fall short, God's promises are sure, reliable, steadfast. His word does not return empty to him. And so come to Jesus to satisfy your soul because his loving mercies are sure, sure. Now, thirdly and lastly, you should come to Jesus because he guarantees to you a new creation of endless joy. That's what we find at the very end of this passage. Look at verses 12 to 13. What is Isaiah describing there? Well, first he says that we will be led by peace in a triumphant procession of joy. He's saying here that King Jesus, who is the Prince of Priests, will return and lead us somewhere. 
Where to? To the world. This world which is torn asunder by man's lust for power. This world will be restored in splendor by Jesus' love for us. Where will he take us to? To the new creation. This world restored and renewed, rectified and beautified to the glory of God. The words there, the language of thorns and the briars remind us, or they should remind us of the curse that was placed upon all of creation in the very beginning in Genesis 3, after the fall of mankind, after Adam's sin, thorns and briars and thistles came forth. A reminder of the brokenness of this world because of sin and its misery. But now, what Isaiah is foretelling here, and that now, because of the last Adam's obedience, ahead of a new humanity, Jesus Christ, because of his obedience all the way unto death itself, the curse has been broken because that curse fell upon Jesus on the cross for us. And he has broken that curse. And with that curse now broken, we have the confidence that the prickly pains of life will be removed finally in the end. That instead of that, all of creation will be a garden of peace with God, where in his presence with him we will dwell forevermore. And so here God is promising to restore and beautify all of creation for his glorious name, he says. And that will be to our joyous, endless delight in him. We have assurance of this promise because, why? Not only did Jesus die under the curse of God, but he rose again from the dead victoriously. A historic resurrection conquering sin and death and in that way guaranteeing for us that through the power of his resurrection he will make all things new again. And in that new creation we hear that we will never thirst again. We will drink from the river of the water of life that flows from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And so come to Jesus this morning. Come to him because he promises satisfaction, full satisfaction. His word is sure as his mercies are sure. And also he guarantees to you the new creation of endless joy through the victory that he accomplished by his death and resurrection. Remember, the world wants you to love everything but God. Why? So that you'd spend all of your time, energy, and money buying their products. Don't fall prey to the marketing ploys of the world. You were made for more than food and drink and possessions. You were made for your creator, God. Come to Jesus and seek him while he may be found. Find in Jesus full satisfaction, abundant forgiveness of all your sins, and the guarantee of a new creation with unending life. And at the end of the Bible, we might think that that would be the end of the story, but no, it's just telling us the beginning of what is to come. And there in the book of Revelation, we hear again this invitation from Isaiah echoing into eternity. Revelation 22:17 reads, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Friends, come to Jesus today 
and every day for the rest of your life. And he will give you unending life and endless joy in him. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we rejoice that your thoughts are not our thoughts and your ways are not our ways, Lord. And indeed, your compassion and mercy and steadfast love is far greater and far more majestic than we can even begin to think or imagine. And we rejoice that you have invited us again this morning to come and find full satisfaction and delight in you, O God, through the person and work of Jesus. We ask that you would open the ears of our hearts to receive you and your goodness, your beauty and truth to begin uh, in that way, quenching our thirst, uh, which will be fully quenched in the consummation when Christ returns. Lord, we pray and ask that you would prepare our hearts for that end, uh, even as we commence this year, Lord. Uh, call us day in and day out to come to you, to follow in your ways, to repent and believe in the gospel and receive your abundant pardon. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Loved ones, let's respond to God's word this morning by singing a very...